From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. When I went into medicine, I felt called to serve, to heal, and to help. I didn't feel called to do repetitive tasks that, you know, almost make me sick every time I sit down at the computer and right. start clicking buttons. Like, I really wanted to just be delivering great care to my patients. Mm-hmm. And and I really believe we're at this, in this kind of renaissance of healthcare where technology that has become somewhat of an obstacle between me and my patient is going to become more and more of a facilitator of me getting the right data, me being able to connect with my patient in the right way, and then me being able to give the therapeutics that they need in the most intelligent way. That's Dr. Jared Pello talking about the role that AI can play in the healthcare space in helping deal with the burden of administrative tasks. We'll hear more from Dr. Pello in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. Is your account's payable process causing headaches? Mineral Tree provides HIPAA compliant, easy to use, end to end accounts payable and payment automation solutions that reduce costs by more than 75%. Mineral Tree is a leading AP and payment automation provider in healthcare, and they'd love to show you why. To learn more, visit mineraltree.com slash MGMA. It's time to take a closer look at how you run your business. Metavolve can help you find solutions to the following questions. Are you overstaffed in your medical billing department? Do you know where your physician practice is losing money? Can you easily benchmark your data against similar practices? If you don't know the outcomes your staff are producing every day, you aren't operating successfully. Go to metavolve.com to learn more. Our guest today is Dr. Jared Pello. Dr. Pello is Chief Clinical Product Officer at Nuance, where he leads the Ambient Clinical Intelligence Team. Dr. Pello is here today to talk about the vital role that AI can play in a medical practice. Dr. Pello, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast again. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Now, it's it's actually glad we're glad to have you back on the podcast. You were here uh, last year, and so want to just wish you a happy new year. It's uh, we're here uh, just. Well, it's January 4th as we're talking here. So happy new year to you. Yeah, you too. It's, uh, I think we all have high plans for this year that, you know, hopefully we see some things we didn't see last year, a little bit more freedom of movement, a little less burden on the healthcare system, all those things. That, that sounds like a good plan. I know we always kind of turn the page at the beginning of a year and we're, this is always going to be, this is the year, you know, this is the year, everything's going to go right. But particularly after these last two years, it would be great if we could start clawing our way out of any variant of COVID and anything else. So I'm glad to have you on here. Uh, First interview of the year. Um, So uh, congratulations on that. Um, I want to go over a couple of things here, because I know that your title has changed a few times over the last few years. So I have you down as Chief Clinical Product Officer at Ambient of Ambient Clinical Intelligence at Nuance Healthcare. Is that still accurate, or have you changed that, titles again? That's correct. I'm settled there. It's, uh, 
it's a great role. I get to take, you know, my clinical knowledge, my knowledge of technology and AI, and really find the interplay of how do we leverage AI to benefit the clinician as much as possible. Oh, and that's so great. It's, it's a really fun place to, to be working. Okay. Now, in that role, we were just talking that this is the beginning of the year. So did you set out some major goals that you want to accomplish this year in 2022? Yeah, I mean, of course, I have my own personal goals, but I'll, I'll, I'll speak to, uh, you know, read a certain number of books, run a certain number of miles, those kinds of things. But um, I'll, I'll speak to some of our goals uh, with Dragon Ambient Experience, our ambient uh, intelligence. Um, and one of those is that within this, this financial year, within this calendar year, uh, we're going to be rolling out something called Express Mode. Um, so to just give a very quick background on what is Dragon Ambient Experience. It's a doctor and a patient having a normal conversation. That conversation is recorded. The doctor is not thinking about their documentation. They are just thinking about their patient. And then that recording is put through our AI cloud. We use uh, speech recognition, natural language processing, and natural language generation to go ahead and generate a clinical note. That clinical note then goes through review process and is put in the EHR. So during this year, express mode will be rolled out and that is where we've collected enough data for certain users and their AI draft notes, the notes that go to a reviewer are getting high enough quality that they will be going straight to the provider. And the provider will review those notes and decide if they wanna edit them themselves or if they wanna send them to review. And so we started early testing with that, but of course we wanna go generally available. And so that's our big goal. And that's what we're marching towards is how quickly can we make AI that's scalable, available to the masses of clinicians who really need this help in their day-to-day -day lives. Okay. Do you have a timetable? I mean, where would be, you know, when we talk about the COVID virus, we're talking about how many uh, vaccines, how many shots in arms we need to get where they feel comfortable about it. Do you have goals as far as how many physicians you would like to have this adoption where you feel like, okay, people are catching on. They're really getting what AI can mean to them. Um, whether it's your platform or even someone else's platform, anything out there, but just where they're adopting the new technologies that are out there, where you feel like, we're getting some steam here. We're really moving along as in yeah. healthcare. Yeah, I mean, with with specifically with our AI technology, we've seen it, you know, four to five x every year. Okay, several years, and we plan on that just continuing to increase in velocity. Um, and so, I mean, our goals are ten x this year uh, to ten x the number of clinicians who are using it. And I, I believe that this type of technology within the next five years, clinicians just won't practice without it. Like it, it wouldn't make sense. It'd be like practicing without an EHR. It'd be right. like practicing without a computer. We're just gonna think like, why would I not have something documenting for me, doing the data capture, the grunt work for me? Like I, I'll never go back. Um, so that's where I think we'll be in the next five years. And in the next year, of course, those very kind of audacious goals of the tenants. But. Love that. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. I want to touch on an article that you wrote about artificial intelligence uh, last year. Um, I want to see if I get the title right. Yes, I've got it right here. Why AI 
makes more sense than medical scribes. There's something within that article where you provide your personal story when you were medical director at an emergency department where you had to live it, you had to see what it was like uh, to go through, try to document, try to manage teams documenting. So I, I love that story. Why don't you share that with us? Tell us a little bit about that and how you um, learned from that experience. Yeah, so I'll, I'll even take it a, a little bit further back just so okay. people understand the depth of knowledge I have around medical scribes. So I, I did my residency at the University of Virginia in 2008, I started in emergency medicine. They were, as far as I know, at the time, the only academic center giving residents medical scribes. Like, why would you pay a medical scribe? Residents make very little money, but like, why would you pay a medical scribe to do resident documentation? I went to the University of Virginia and in emergency medicine, there are three and four year programs. And what they told me when I interviewed is because of these medical scribes, you'll see as many patients in three years as you would see in four years if you went to another, another place. And they had done studies to prove out that it was worth it, that it paid for itself. And so I kind of fell in love with this idea of somebody else doing my documentation just early in my training. Now, we'll skip forward, you know, six years to when I'm medical director. And 2014, I'm medical director of this small emergency department. And I'm, we, we had not very good press gainy scores. We had bad wait times. And I, I'd just taken over and I just kept thinking, okay, there's two things that I want. One is I want the best doctors I can possibly hire. And two is I want to make them as efficient as possible. Like those are the two things I want to do to fix this department. And, um, and just was super frustrated with the inability to be in this small town, to hire medical scribes, the talent wasn't there. Um, I had, I'd been part of running our medical scribe programs, both within the residency and within my medical group. So I knew what it took to train scribes, retain scribes, pay scribes, all that overhead. Um, and so that, that's really where I started thinking about kind of ambient intelligence. What if we just started using technology to capture the right data to be able to move down this path? Um, so yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of a turning point in my career as I looked around and saw all my colleagues struggling and you know patients waiting in the emergency room where if we were using our physicians efficiently, there wouldn't be that wait time we wouldn't have the Prescani scores that we had, all of those things. Okay. So I want to get a big picture view from you first, and then we can drill down to some specifics here. But I want to go back to that title again of your article, Why AI Makes More Sense Than Medical Scribes. You've touched on a few of those already. Um, as you were putting together that article, what was top of mind to you? What were some of the big... Um, pieces of that puzzle that made you make, you know, a pretty, pretty uh, solid statement there, a pretty uh, hot take, you know, so to speak, but it's one that you truly believe in. And you've seen the benefits of having that AI side of it, that technology for you. So give us just an overview of your philosophy there, your belief in AI versus the medical scribes, then we'll drill down a little bit on some of the different topics. Yeah. So for me, it, it's really a few different things. One is trying to address a global problem. 
So there's the local problem for the individual physician of I need to do my documentation. I need my documentation done. And uh, you can hire a scribe and they'll be with you for some period of time. And the great thing about having an in-person scribe is they can give you coffee, they'll eat lunch with you, they'll ask you about your kids. Like there, there's a lot of good things about having an in-person scribe. They're likely gonna go off to medical school, become a doctor. You're gonna have other colleagues that you've helped mentor. Like there's lots of good things. But if the problem you're trying to solve is your documentation and it's not like train up mentees and, and a lot of other things, but what you really wanna solve is I wanna solve my documentation. I want it to get better and better. Then AI makes way more sense because AI continues to get smarter and smarter. You don't have to retrain it. It's scalable. It's gonna be with you forever. It doesn't call in sick. You don't have to give it an extra computer in the office. You don't have to make sure that AI does HIPAA training every year. Like there's so many headaches that come with medical scribe that are just part of it. And it's it's great. Medical scribes, I believe, have been a really a, a life raft for many physicians over the last 10 years. But I think we're at this point where AI is getting good enough, where this tipping point with AI, where we need to start investing in solutions that will be with us for our whole career, not for just the next six months. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I really think AI is the clear winner over a medical scribe, is you're gonna start investing in the AI that is gonna keep getting smarter with you for your whole career. It's gonna keep learning new compliance rules. It's gonna keep learning new regulations, new treatments. Like this AI is just gonna keep getting smarter. And instead of needing to retrain scribes every six months. So that's, that's my main premise is why it's better. Okay. So as I said, let's drill down on a couple of those. You've touched on a little bit of this, but as you well know, and our audience knows, um, one of the biggest issues facing practices right now and really facing the labor force in general uh, right now is staffing shortages. Uh, You and I have even talked about this before. It doesn't matter where you go, whether it's a medical practice or you go to your favorite restaurant, you'd suddenly notice there aren't as many people working there as there used to be. There is a staffing shortage. The waits are longer. There's so many issues. But one of the issues right now, particularly on the healthcare side, is hiring. Um, And that's something you wrote about. And that's in an infographic that Nuance created. There's also the training and the retraining. So if you're having turnover and turnover and turnover, you're having to bring new people and train new people. So talk about that. Talk about what you've seen in your experiences and how that's further cementing your, uh, your, you know, your uh, thoughts here on AI and why that would be superior in this case. Yeah, I mean, staffing is a huge issue. Like, like in my example, I just couldn't even find the right town. Right. Um, now there are pre-med students that are willing to drive two hours to work as a medical scribe because they know it's a box they need to tip to be able to get into medical school. And, um, and it's becoming more and more kind of that pathway mm-hmm. for pre-med students, but they are pre-med students, which means they're only there with you for some short period of time. And no matter how good your training is, and there are different levels of training, that medical scribes go through. Some are gonna start with the doctor on their first day. They'll have somebody working with them side by side for two days, and then they're gonna be off on their own doing documentation with the doctor. 
And it's not because they're trained up. It's because they're putting the burden of training on the doctor themselves. And so when you talk to a doctor, if they've got a trained up scribe, they're in heaven. They're like, yeah. you know what? I, I trained them. It's like clockwork. They do everything. They prep my notes before I get there. They finish my notes after I leave. But the pain that they have to go through when they bring on a new scribe is they have to retrain all of that. And that's a hidden cost that you just don't see as a doctor. You don't, nobody's paying you to train this scribe. Like this is, this is the work that you're investing in this person. And you know, they're likely going to leave in the next six months. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is kind of the magic of, of DAX is you push a button on your smartphone and no matter what, there's AI there 24 seven, like it's always going to be there to answer the call and you don't have to worry about somebody leaving or retraining or any of those issues. So yeah, I, I think that's a huge advantage. Okay. What you're getting at, one of the outcomes of this additional burden that's being placed on the physicians who are having to do the training um, really gets to the burnout aspect of healthcare. And we know the stats there. We know we've seen it. Um, we've either uh, experienced it or worked with someone who's experienced it. So talk about that a little bit. Talk a little bit more about how AI can help alleviate some of that burden, stress, and burnout that clinicians are facing. Yeah. Well, AI is great at doing certain things. AI is great at doing routine things, doing the same thing over and over again. AI is great at uh, taking large amounts of data and making it understandable. And, and so I believe that AI fits really nicely into healthcare because you're doing both of those things. You're taking large amounts of data and organizing it. And you're taking something that's routine, an office visit. Um, and for most clinicians, what's really interesting is we think of medicine as, as super complex. And it is because you have to take so many factors into account. And that's why humans are needed. That's one reason. The other, of course, is that human-to-human connection that helps in healing people. But um, what's, what's really beautiful is allowing AI to step in and take over some of that burden that is causing that burnout, which is that repetitive task that we don't even really have to think about, but I have to get it done. Right. Like if I can have something take that over for me, because when I went into medicine, I felt called to serve, to heal, and to help. I didn't feel called to do repetitive tasks that, you know, almost make me sick every time I sit down at the computer and right. start clicking buttons. Like, I really want to just be delivering great care to my patients. Mm-hmm. And, and I really believe we're at this, in this kind of renaissance of healthcare where technology that has become somewhat of an obstacle between me and my patient is going to become more and more of a facilitator of me getting the right data me being able to connect with my patient in the right way, and then me being able to give the therapeutics that they need in the most intelligent way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So one of the items that caught my attention was in your paper and in this infographic is that you talk about how AI works better for scale and for efficiency. You've touched on this a little bit, but elaborate on that. Let us understand that a little bit better. Yeah, so I I started to mention this, you know, global versus local problems. And we have a million healthcare providers that need documentation. And that's just 
doctors, MPs, PAs, right? That's, um, that's not even thinking about the nurses yet. And I believe we can't forget the nurses. We're just not ready to tackle them yet. Um, and everybody else, the occupational therapists, the physical therapists, the speech pathologists, like every, everybody across the board needs this, this technology. Um, so when you start to think of, okay, well, we've got a workaround. The workaround is a human scribe. It's incredible to think that we could ever scale to a million human scribes to take care of those million providers, especially when those human scribes turn over on average every six months. Mm -hmm. And so that's just not scalable. It just doesn't work at the global level. And then we've already talked about the local pain of that turnover, that training, you know, people calling out sick, all that. And so to me, it's just another clear indication that this is a place that technology should be leveraged. This is a place where we can scale to meet the need instead of just putting in, you know, small patches that save us for the next three to six months. Right, right. That makes sense. So I know that uh, you have presented for MGMA and had co-presenters who worked at medical practices. Um, I wanted you to share a case study with us, with a practice, maybe what it looked like with them pre-AI and post-AI. If you could kind of walk us through that transformation, how it truly uh, transformed or improved their practice, their efficiencies, um, and their workload there, and their patient volume for that matter. Yeah. I mean, the, the hard part for me is pick, picking out which case to use, because <laughs> right. I mean, literally, Installation after installation, I can, I can look and find these cases. Um, we have people on day one reaching out and saying, this is the most transformative tool I've ever used in my practice. It's, it's changed my life just on day one. I've had you know, spouses reach out and say they want to send us Valentine's because we've saved their marriage. Um, and so there's, there are these, like, these anecdotes, these soft stories where I can just say, you know, you know, this provider said, I believe this is going to decrease physician suicide. This other provider has said, of course, this is going to help solve for burnout. Like there's, there are those soft anecdotes. But then when we drill down into the numbers, we see that on average providers save seven minutes per visit when they use Dragon Learning Experience versus doing documentation on their own, um, which is significant. That's just on average across all specialties. So some are saving more, some are saving less. But that's pretty incredible if you think, okay, I see 20 patients in a typical day. Um, you know, that's 140 minutes. I say that I would have been spending after hours or while I'm with the patient and I'm saving that time actually doing what I want to do, which is take care of patients or go to my daughter's basketball game or whatever else I want to do when I'm done with work. Right. I mean, you're, if my math's right, you're looking at, roughly two and a half hours a day that you're either getting back to your life or to your practice, to your patients, wherever you divide that up, but it's, it's two and a half hours, however you look at it. And I do want to ask you about that. So once you have AI in place at a practice, obviously the time saving is one of the KPIs that you're going to be analyzing. What are some of the other key KPIs for practices to be looking at to make sure this is working the way they want it to work? 
Yeah. Well, some providers come in and they want to be more efficient because they want to add more patients. Right. Away. Okay. Right. So we had a small cardiology practice that was in a critical access area of the country. And it was months to get in to see this cardiologist. And what he was solving for is I want to see more patients in a day. And he added eight patients a day to his clinic after wow. implementing that. Now, on average, that number is three to five patients okay. per day that providers will add after they've been on DAPS. And what's interesting to see is some come in with that goal. They want to be more efficient because they want to see more patients. And others come in with the goal of, I just want to have freedom after I get done working. But what we see over and over again is, if we solve this problem in the clinic, that added efficiency almost always leads to added patients. Because in three to six months after I'm healthy and I'm feeling good and I'm not feeling burned out, and I have pockets of time every day where I'm like, I don't really have anything to do because my documentation's taking care of me, for me, I'm gonna go ahead and add some patients. We've seen that over and over again, where the primary driver has not been adding more patients, but they eventually start adding more patients because they feel good and they have time to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, three to five per day. We see providers just tremendously endorsing DAX. Nine out of 10 providers who have tried DAX would recommend it to their colleagues. 80% mm -hmm. um, of our providers say that the notes written by DAX are higher quality than they write themselves, um, which is, is a little sad. You think, you know, who's going to write the highest quality documentation? It's going to be a doctor. Um, but it also just tells you the burden that is on a doctor right. and how much they don't like the task. Um, and so, yeah, those are some of the KPIs that, that we look at. Okay. As a final question, I wanted to touch on that physician patient experience, what that communication looks like. Uh, when we were all in San Diego a few months ago, I saw a video that you guys rolled out where it, it, it showed that communication. It wasn't that old experience where you're, you have the physician where their head's down looking over the notes the whole time as they're communicating, but they're, I have an eye contact with the patient. They're able to communicate very clearly with them. I wanted to get your thoughts on that, what you've seen with that uh, patient experience, with that physician experience, and how that communication is improved using this AI and this communication tool here. I, I love this question because I think this is the heart of it, right? Yeah. The, the patient experience, the doctor experience in that relationship is the key to everything. Um, sometimes we forget that. We think about the business and healthcare, the therapeutics of healthcare, but what really matters is the relationship between the doctor and the patient. And we've seen tremendous outcomes from that as well. Um, you know, just first touching on burnout, we've seen when, when we survey our doctors, we see a 70% decrease in burnout symptoms after they've been on DAX for a month. So that's an incredible drop, which makes them happier, healthier people as they communicate with this patient. Then when you take the patient outcomes that we've seen, it's, it's over 80% of the patients say that their doctors are more communicative, they're more focused, and they're paying better attention to them as a patient. They feel more connected as a patient to their doctor. And so with that, you know, over 80%, eight out of 10 patients walk out of that experience and say, 
that was better than it's ever been before. That was great. And, and as a doctor, that's what I want every time is I want to be getting better and better relationships with my patient because then my patients are more likely to take my advice, more likely to fill that prescription, more likely to give that colonoscopy that I've set up for them. All of those things, which leads to the health outcomes that I really want for my patients to have. Okay. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for joining us again. And I know that we were talking offline that uh, you're heading out to my neck of the woods here shortly. You're going to be in Utah doing some skiing, taking in the snow and the mountains. So safe travels there and safe times on the slopes as well. So thank you again. Oh, thanks so much, Daniel. Always a pleasure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Jared Pellow. Also, thanks to Mineral Tree and the Metavolve for sponsoring this week's show. Mineral Tree is the leading AP and payment automation provider in healthcare, and they'd love to show you why. To learn more, visit mineraltree.com slash MGMA. And if you don't know the outcomes your staff are producing every day, you aren't operating successfully. Metavolve can help you find solutions to the biggest problems medical practices face. Go to metavolve.com to learn more. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, you can email us at podcast at mgma.com. You can find me on Twitter at mgmadaniel, or you can go to our website, mgma.com slash listen to access the full range of MGMA podcast. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.